outside the law, I had determined. My first venture into crime had yielded me a profit so great for such slight effort and risk that I never for a moment considered anything but continuing along the career that the needs of existence had made me choose. For understand that these are not the penitent confessions of a paltry pickpocket. They are the narratives of an artist. In the apartment which I had rented on the Rue d'Ornou, I deliberately studied my problem. I had acquired all the literature dealing with criminals that I could find, and I came to the inevitable conclusion that the so-called supercriminal had never existed. For always the histories of these persons ended with the accounts of their arrests and convictions to punishment too unpleasant to contemplate. A supercriminal should be one who escaped the law completely, who died when his time came, full of riches as well as sin. Yet some of these men had shown a talent for crime that approached genius. I asked myself why they had finally failed, why, at the end, in the dock, they had heard the judgment of society. The answer was obvious. No man can be stronger or cleverer than all the forces of all society. The man, then, who antagonizes these forces is a fool. A fool must fail in what he attempts. But the man who recognizes the difficulties before him and takes precautions that will minimize these difficulties increases his chance of success. I had seen one sample of the species termed supercrook, and I knew myself to be, in every possible way, more capable of success in his profession than he. If, then, I had more ability than he, and if I so directed my energies and efforts that I would run the least risk of antagonizing the police, it seemed to me that with a bit of luck there was no reason why I should not prove the exception to the rule and forever avoid exposure. Study in the seclusion of my Paris apartment informed me that while I could hardly hope to improve upon the methods of some of the more famous of the historical supercrooks, I could, by applying their methods in a different fashion, avoid their errors. For the crook has no friends. Neither has he any of the ordinary recourses of the law-abiding citizen. If your reputable merchant is robbed, he can complain to the nearest authority, and immediately all of society's complicated legal machinery is set to work on his behalf. But if the thief is robbed, where can he look for redress? To prey upon thieves, that shall be my career. To wait until the vulture rose from the carrion, and then to take from him his tidbits, that was my plan. I would work alone, having neither confederates nor confidants. And now, the sight of all this wealth paraded before me spurred me to action. Crooks were battening upon these parvenus. Every day the Paris papers told of robberies. The New York papers, which I received regularly, told of the continuance of the crime wave there. Everywhere in the world, thieves were plying their trade. I had mapped out my course of action. Good living had restored my muscles and nerves to their former vigour. It was time for me to go to work. I walked across the Place de l'Opéra and entered a steamship agency. By great good fortune, a room and bath had been surrendered half an hour ago, and it was possible for me to obtain it.
so I left there in 20 minutes, the possessor of a ticket which entitled me to sail three days later from Cherbourg on the Altaria. For of course it was necessary for me to ply my trade in my own country. It is true that I had a smattering of French, but I did not converse easily in that language. I would be handicapped at the outset if I dealt with French criminals. There was, it is true, a certain risk in returning to New York. My first venture into theft had been at the expense of Darragon, the Fifth Avenue jeweller, but it was not a certainty that Darragon knew who had robbed him. Moreover, looking at myself in the gilt-bordered mirror in my bedroom on the Rue Donneau, I seriously doubted if Darragon would be able to recognize me. On the evening that I had abstracted from his pocket, the ring which had brought me funds wherewith once again to live like a gentleman, my hair had been long and unkempt.